Good morning, everyone. Oh, that was, that, that was just not good. I can't, I can't receive that. Let's try again. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right, I'll take that. That's better. Y'all good? Okay, one per, who said that? Brian, thank you very much. I'm gonna preach to you only this morning. Just kidding, just kidding. All right, so uh, I want to jump right into this, but first, uh, I wanna set some foundation Okay, there's a little bit of interaction this morning, so I hope you're ready for that. Look at your neighbor right now. You say, you ready? ready. Nope, you didn't do it. Try, try your other neighbor. Maybe they'll respond. Look at your other neighbor and say, are you ready? ready. Ah, that's the one. That's the one you need to talk to right there. They're listening. All right. So uh, I want you to understand something this morning, and I'm going to do my very best to try and uh, help you do that through the word of God this morning. But I want you to know, first thing, first thing, right out of the gates, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. All right, Brian, you are so ready to go. I love it. I appreciate that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are, you are God's masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Some of you don't even believe that. I'm gonna say it to you again. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's handiwork. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're a piece of work. Uh-huh, some of you didn't do it. Some of you, see, now some of, here's, here's what happened. You said it one of two ways. One way is gonna get you a conversation in the car on the way home. Because you looked at your, whoever's next to you, and you went, you're a piece of work. Not the right way. Some of you did it the correct way and went, you're a piece of work. All right? So some of you have an uh, interesting ride home today. You are also, I hope you're getting the, the point of this, you are also created. This is really amazing. You are created, every one of you, in the image of Almighty God. Now, maybe you never really thought about that too much. You may have heard it before. Maybe this is the first time. I don't know. But I want you to really take that in. You were created in the image of an almighty God who could have created you in any image he wanted. Now, if you're not thankful about that, what if God created us not in his image, but this image? You could look like a platypus right now. If God was like, you know what? I don't want y'all to look like me. I, I just don't want that. I wanna be unique. I wanna be different. I'm gonna make you all look like that. Now look at your neighbor and say, you're a piece of work. You should have said it differently this time because I gave you a second chance. All right. You are one of a kind created in the image of God. Here's some amazing facts. Just if you're not convinced of how special or how important or how crafted you were, let me ask this question. Does anyone sitting here this morning have, not kind of, but true green eyes, like alligator eyes? Not that like, hey, mine are like hazel green. No, green, you have green eyes. It says on your license, green eyes, anybody? Chad, go ahead, raise your hand. Two, first service, there was one. Do you know why? And we just proved it. 
2% of the 8.1 billion people, 2% have green eyes. That's it. That's how rare that is. So yeah, and, and green eyes and red hair, I, I guess that's even more special. There you go, he showed. That's pretty amazing. Now, also this, this is incredible. Your body produces 25 million, I have no idea how they figure this stuff out, I just trust them. Your body produces 25 million cells every second. That means it's 2.1 trillion today. You think you're not special? You're really special. You think you're not a piece of work? You are an incredible piece of work handcrafted by God. You have inside your body right now 100,000 miles of blood vessels. Just think about that. That didn't just kind of happen. That didn't form over time. That was an intentional creation by a God who sees you as being very very special. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has made you, you, specifically you, to fit the body of Christ. Listen to what Ephesians tells us in chapter two, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, you. God knows you, the Bible tells me he knows every hair in your head. The Bible tells me he knew you while you were being formed in your mother's womb. So please don't tell me, and I pray that you don't think this morning that you not, you're not special, because you are. God knows you. He knows every hair in your head, and he created you to be you. That's pretty cool. You should feel pretty good right now. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He didn't just create you because he was bored. He didn't just create you because he's like, look at that beautiful planet and creation I made. I better populate it so I'm gonna make people. And he didn't, no. He made you for a reason. And the Bible tells us over and over, and this is just one time in Ephesians, that you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, comma, which God prepared before, beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has created you for a purpose and to do good works. And he has a plan marked out for every one of you. It's not a secret. It's not hidden. It's up to us to walk in those things in that plan. 8.1 billion people on the earth and God chose you, not just because I'm saying it, but because it's what the word says. It's what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 16. Listen to what he tells his disciples. You didn't choose me. He's saying to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. See, a lot of people like the, the last verse of that because it sounds good and it feels good. So whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. And people will come to me, Pastor, well, I asked for this and that. Why am I not getting it? Well, uh, my question is, did you read the first part of that verse? 
because it's not about your desires and your wants. It's about God's purpose for your life, which is greater and more fulfilling than the things you want and desire. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go bear fruit. So my question would be, are you bearing fruit? And then the second part is, are you abiding? Are are you still close to Jesus? Is he still number one in your life or have other things crept in and Jesus is kind of like like a side guy and uh, once in a while when I need him, when I I want that thing, then I'll go to see Jesus and then I'll make him number one and and you live this this life of kind of flipping and flopping and going back and forth and and that's totally not how that verse is meant to be. It's very simple. You, You didn't choose me, I chose you. God is saying, I chose you. You are so special and such a handiwork of God that he chose you, chose you, chose you to do good works, abide in him, and then, and then God will give you the desires of your heart because they'll be in line with his will. That's how scripture is translated properly talks about the body of Christ. Many times you'll hear this, these different phrases in church that are kind of like churchy words and I get kind of bothered by that. I understand we have to use them. There's sanctification, justification, the blood of the lamb. And, and some people are like, I don't fully understand those things. And one of them is the body of Christ. Well, what does that mean, the body of Christ? Well, there's three ways that that's used in reference in the Bible. The first one is the literal body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He had flesh and bones and feelings and emotions. And when he stubbed his toe, it hurt. He just didn't cuss when he did it. That was supposed to be funny. Uh, I heard my wife laugh. That's all that matters. The body of Christ, the literal body of Christ. First Peter chapter two, verse 24, he himself, Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That literally happened. Jesus was crucified on a cross for your sins and mine so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That is the literal body of Christ. And then we have the global body of Christ. Well, what's the global body of Christ? Do you know you're part of one of the biggest organizations in the world if you sit here as a follower of Christ? You're part of the body of Christ. That means those who who have Jesus as their Lord and Savior in Africa, Romania, Australia, Japan, China, wherever, they are part of the same global body of Christ as you and I. They have the same theology and beliefs that you and I have. We are part of this larger body of Christ. But then the third one is what I'm gonna talk about today. It's local, the local body of church or of Christ. And that's the church. That's right here. You and I are part of the body of Christ. If you sit here as a Christ follower, you are part of the body of Christ. If you call GT Church your home, whether at West Lawn or here, you are part of the GT body of Christ. And that's what I wanna talk about today. 
Paul talks to the believers in Corinthians because there's some bad teaching happening. There's some poor theology. There's some selfishness. There's some unsureness happening. And, And Paul, as he has done through many of his letters to the churches, has to kind of bring clarity to this. And he does it so well about the body of Christ, about you and I and our function in this church. Do you realize we all have a function here? And it's not just to sit in a gray chair every Sunday. I think that's great and that's important and that's something we should do and that's fellowship and we worship together and that's so vital and important, but God has more for the body of Christ. And so Paul addresses it here and we're gonna gonna go through that quickly. And then the rest is up to you. Paul says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul's saying, listen, this is really important because there's some misinformation happening. Anybody believe there's misinformation in the world or in the news? All right, that's a whole nother sermon. I'm just gonna keep it right there. But I think there's a lot of misinformation in this world because it's so easy that I can just take something and I can post it And it's amazing who will jump on and believe it. It doesn't even have to be true. Isn't that amazing? What a great day we live in. It's a deceptive day we live in. Be careful, be cautious. Just because it's on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Snap Stupid, whatever, it doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it true. And so Paul's like, listen, things are being said. Stuff is happening. I don't want you to be uninformed. So it's kind of like the teacher, give me your attention, please. This is important. And so he gets their attention and he says, you know, you know that when you were pagans, oh boy, this is an encouragement. (laughs) Pagan is a a God hater. So now I'm sure he has their attention. Hey, remember when you were were a total jerk? Got my attention because I was there. I was the biggest jerk. And he says, you know, when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Anybody ever led astray in their life? Anybody ever ever lead others astray? No, only your pastor. (laughs) I've been there. So Paul's kind of making them look in the rearview mirror of life, which sometimes we have to do. I don't want you to stay there. God doesn't want you to stay there, but sometimes you need to remember just what you used to be before Christ. And so that's what he's bringing to to their attention. Remember how you used to be? Remember that? He said, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now has my life. And if I am living for Christ, I worship Christ. I acknowledge Christ. I can't do anything other than that because the Spirit of God lives in me. He's, he's, who are you living for right now? That's how you used to be, but that's not how you are now. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. And I just have to say, thank you, Lord, for that. And then he goes on to say that there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Let me say that again. There's different kinds of gifts, but it's the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
which ascended on them in the book of Acts that Jesus told us, I'm gonna give you a helper, an advocate, a comforter, because I gotta go to my father, but I don't want you to be alone. I don't want you to have to figure out life alone. I don't want you to have to make decisions by yourself because you're gonna make some bad decisions. So I'm gonna give you a helper, the Holy Spirit, that's gonna live inside of you. And the same breath that is living in you has lived in me and raised me from the dead. Do you realize you have that in you right now as a follower of Jesus Christ? That spirit that Paul is talking about? There's different gifts, but it's the same spirit who distributes them. There's all kinds, there are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. The body of Christ, there are so many different gifts that you have that God has given you, but we keep Jesus Christ at the center of all things in the body of Christ. Why do we have youth back there? Because Jesus is the center and he's the rock of their, of their lives. Why do we have kid men? Because Jesus is the center and he's the rock of their lives. Why do we come together? Because Jesus is our Lord. It's the same God, the same purpose, but there's different gifts being used. There's, there's people back there, there's volunteers back there who are loving on your kids, teaching them scripture right now because they have that gift. Aren't you thankful that you can come into a body of Christ and know that your children are being loved for, cared for, protected, and taught the word of God? Are you not thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. All my kids grew up at GT, all different pastors and volunteers. I can't tell you how thankful I am for that. I'm thankful for a church that takes a week, we should probably take more, out of the year, a service to love our volunteers. Many of you sit here as volunteers week after week after week. And I want you to know, I understand the sacrifice you make. I understand you have to get here early. You have to get up early. You work a full-time job. You got responsibilities. But yet, you make the time to come here and invest in people's lives. We love you guys. We love you. Thank you for what you do. Can we give it up for our volunteers? He goes on to say, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, different kinds of workings in all of them, the same God at work. Now, he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit given for the common good. Oh, there's that, that crazy churchy word, manifestation. What does that mean? Oh, that's weird. I saw that in some movie. That's, no, 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 no. They stole our word. Because God has instilled in you incredible gifts. Incredible gifts. And Paul wants them to be aware of this. And it's always for the same thing. Listen to what it says. Now to each of you, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. There is one reason I stand on this stage every Sunday, and it is to glorify Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the eternal hope of every man, woman, and child. That purpose will never change, never change. It is the common good. He goes on to say, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, something your pastor was not blessed with. <laughs> I'll keep asking, I promise, I do. But some of you have that gift. Some of you have a gift of wisdom. God has blessed you with this incredible gift. 
goes on to say to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Paul continues to emphasize the same spirit, the same spirit. Understand that God has given you these gifts. Remain humble in what God has given you, please. To another, faith. By the, by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation of tongues and he wraps it all up saying all these are the work of the same spirit and he distributes them each one just as he determines. God knows you. He created you. He knows how you're wired. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. And God has given you gifts, not to keep to yourself, but to use for the body of Christ. And he's gonna come and get even more in depth with it. Those are what are called spiritual gifts. And I believe as a follower of Christ, when you make that commitment to Jesus Christ, he gives you and helps you acknowledge what, you, what your gifts are. Then he goes on to say, just as a body, though one, one body, he's talking about the human body, giving a, an illustration using the human body, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We may call ourselves a body of Christ, but we are under the same umbrella of God. We are all part of one body. You're not a different part. You're not a different part. You're not a different part. There's different parts, but it's all under the same body of Christ. And he's gonna explain why he said that. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether, this is such an important statement, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Jesus just took the division that human beings seem to love to create among themselves and he just blew it up. Now you have to understand back then you were either Jewish or you weren't. If you weren't Jewish, you were referred to as a Gentile, period. You were one or the other and there was a distinct separation of Jews and Gentiles. It was known. And Jesus just blew that right out of the water. He said, under the authority and under the name and under the body of Jesus Christ, the body of believers, there is no Jew and there is no Gentile. Can I put it in today's terms? There ain't no black, white, yellow, green. We are one under the body of Christ. If you are a Christ follower, it is about Jesus being at the center of all things. Can I tell you how that would take the division away right away? Right away? I know bad things happen to different people and groups. I understand that and so does Jesus. But that division should not be allowed to come into the church. Because if you and I are followers of Christ, that is what we have in common. Are we gonna disagree on things? We can. But that doesn't mean we stop loving each other, we stop respecting each other, and we hurt each other. Because here's the fact of the matter. How many Pittsburgh Steelers fans? Yeah, I know Casey, you're not with your Eagles shirt on. Oh, I got one in the back. Two. Three, come on, be proud. I know they're not in it, but we were good at one time. There's hope, man, raise it proud. Everybody else that didn't have their hand up, we're gonna disagree always. 
I'm gonna agree with the Steelers fans. That's me, man. I'm the, I, I decided first service, my, my coffin is gonna be black and gold. That's just me. I'm gonna die, live and breathe Steelers. That's it. Now, if you're any other team, Casey, we're always gonna disagree. But let me tell you something. If you would ever need something, I'd be there for you. That's never gonna get in the way. That's not gonna get in the way. That's minor. That, that's no big deal. So you understand? One body, there'll be disagreements, but under Christ, there are none. We come together. Does that make sense? Paul's trying to bring them together. So that's a big statement. And then he says, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So let me do an illustration. Casey, come here. Can, can you leave your child and wife real quick? Okay. Now it's a new baby. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, I'm just trying to be respectful. All right, who else? My other Steelers fan. Can you come here? I know you didn't sign up for this. You're like, what? Yup, you, I know what happened. And who else? I need one more. One more. No, Andrea, come here, come here, come here. Come on, just come here, come here. It's easy. We're gonna build something. Love it. Yeah, cool, thumbs up. We're gonna build something. Game, you game? All right, so I'm gonna give you tools. I don't trust Casey with a hammer. I'm gonna give you a hammer. Even though I don't even know you, I'm gonna trust you with that hammer. Casey, I'm gonna give you the drill, Andrea. It's like my favorite. Don't now, I gave them all a tool according to how I think they can use them best. All right? I need you to build something for the bot. I know it's got a light. It's amazing. So you see what's happening? I'm so glad you did that, Casey. You don't even realize. You just made my illustration perfect. He's got a tool I gave him. I know he's capable of using it, but he's eyeballing this, this power drill over here. And he's thinking, I'd rather have the drill. Casey, I'd rather have the drill too. But it's, it's, it's messing him up. And so now he, what's your name? Robert. Ro, he's looking at Robert going, Robert, I think I even like the hammer better. Robert, would you like to trade the hammer for the wrench? No, I'm gonna keep the hammer. You're stuck with the wrench. And now we have this bickering and I'm waiting for something to be built at the church, but it's not because the body over here isn't happy with the gifts that were given to him because he's a little envious, he doesn't have the power and nothing's happening here because they're, they're not happy with what's been given to them. And I'm saying, Casey, you can use that, man. You're gonna be the best crescent wrench adjustable guy there's ever been on the planet. Andrea, she, she like, she could do surgery with a drill and Robert just looks like he can wreck anything with a hammer, right? And so now if we can come to an agreement, say, you know what, I, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this. How about we just get busy? Do you understand? You can put your tools back. No, you can't keep them. He's, Andrea's like, I'm holding on to this thing. I'm taking it home. Please don't. Thank you. Give it up for the volunteers. God has gifted you all. But if we stay here and we think, well, someone else has got it back there. My, my kids are fine. They never complain after church. In fact, they're pretty happy. They're all sugared up and they got a Bible verse. And that. I don't even know who's doing it, but thank God I don't have to do it. And, is that really helping the body of Christ? Now, listen, I, I know we all go through seasons. I, I, I get that. But God is saying, you, this happened first service. It was beautiful. That's my indication that I need to stop preaching when kids start to get whiny like that. I said something first service and the kid cried. And I was like, okay, Lord, if I'm making the kids cry, I got to stop right now. You were given a gift. I believe more than one gift. 
You were given a service gift, a spiritual gift, and you were given a gift of works to do something, some ability, some capability. You have a gift that I don't. I have a gift that you don't. How about we stop bickering about it? How about we stop comparing our gifts? And how about we start using them for the body of Christ and the kingdom of God? What would the church look like if that happened? One of the most sad things as a pastor that I can see happen in a church is when believers, Christ followers, love Jesus, start bickering with each other over the foolish things, over things that honestly don't matter. I've seen people leave church because of the color of the carpet and the color of the chairs and the things that are on the wall because they didn't like it and nobody listened to them. And I'm gonna go to a church where where they'll listen to me. Okay, sorry if carpet and chair colors were that important to you. What is important to you as a body of Christ? Is it the color of chairs or is it the condition of a soul? And Paul's really trying to encourage him here. I I want you to be encouraged this morning, but I want you to be challenged also. And so he's talking about the body and he says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. How crazy. The foot's like, you know what? I wanna be a hand, so I'm just gonna stop walking. And it affects the whole body. Same illustration as the tools. Well, I don't like this. I know it's a gift he's given me, but I want that gift. I wanna work with the teenagers because they eat a lot of sugar, drink soda, and have fun. I don't wanna change diapers. Thank God that somebody has the ministry of changing your kid's diaper, amen? Everybody that had babies says, amen. He goes on to say, and if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? He's really asking kind of repetitive, silly questions, but, but the illustration and the word picture is brilliant. Can you imagine the whole body being an eye? I couldn't find a picture on Google. Justin couldn't do it. There is no such thing. But it's it's very vivid what he's showing us. He goes on to say, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them. Now I want you to think of you because you're part of this body. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So if God's given you a drill, he's done it for a reason. If he's given you a wrench, he's done it for a reason. He will provide. God doesn't need skilled people. He needs willing people who will learn and say, yes, Lord. He will teach you the rest. Before I was a pastor, I was a supervisor of an outside maintenance at a retirement community. And I remember we were hiring. And so I would go through these interviews, and I was the type of person, I didn't need you to know how to do all the functions that were required. I didn't need that experience. It would be nice if it was there, but I'm a big believer that if someone has a teachable attitude, I can teach you to do anything. If you are willing to learn, and you are willing to work hard, and say, yes, I'm willing, I'm I believe you can teach anybody to do anything. But for some people, 
nah, they know everything, or I, it's gotta be this way. You know what the Lord says? I need you to be humble. I need you to say, yes, Lord, and just surrender. And watch what God will do in your life. At 18 years old, if someone would have came to me and said, Eric, what, what direct, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see yourself at, at 28 years old? It wouldn't have been a very good place. And the very last place, in fact, I wouldn't have even put it on a list, would have been in ministry. That wasn't even on my radar, not even a thought. I didn't even go to church. A pastor in ministry, are you kidding me? I would have laughed in your face. That would have been insulting to me. But because I surrendered and said, yes, Lord, and said, use me how you see fit, I am humbled at what God has allowed me to be part of, humbled and privileged to do what I get to do, but I never saw it coming. God has plans for every one of you, whether it's changing a diaper, working with a youth, shaking a hand, mowing the grass. There are so many things in the body of Christ that need to be done. And I'm a big believer, and you've heard me say it before, many hands make for light work. Oh, you can do this with, with few hands, but it's a lot of work for those poor people. And you're really missing out. He says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted. If they were all in one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Two truths to those scripture. Not one part in the body of Christ has more value than other. You may have more responsibility but no one is more important than anybody else in the body of Christ. Please don't ever think because I'm standing 27, 24 inches off the ground that I'm in a, a, a higher position than anybody. That's, that's one of the biggest reasons I hop off the stage. I don't like preaching up there, but I understand it's, it's easier to see me. Please understand your pastor is no better than anybody else. And if he comes off that way, y'all need to find another pastor. I am no better than any single person in this church. My calling is different. My gifts are different. My responsibilities are different. But in no way am I more important than anybody. I could walk out of here and never come back and there would be another pastor that God would put in position and it'll happen one day. No, I'm not giving my retirement call. I'm not that old yet. God still has me here but I'm no more important than that person changing the kid's diaper. I'm no important than, than the guy or gal who's gonna mow the grass. I'm no import, more important than, than my mom who cleans the toilets here. Nobody's more important than anybody, but we all have an important role to play. But God's just waiting for, yes, use me, use me. The second truth I see that is every person belongs and every person is important to God. We all have a past. Don't let your past define your future, your now. Don't do, we've all made mistakes. We've all made bad choices. I could give you a long, long laundry list and you'd probably be like, he shouldn't be my pastor. I didn't know that. I'm forgiven and none of it was, got arrested for. I'm forgiven. I was gonna say none of it would get me in jail, but that's not true. God was gracious. Here's how he ends it. I love this. And it was nothing bad. It was just, I shouldn't have said that. 
<laughs> Come to coffee and the pastor and you'll hear my story. That's right. Thank you, honey. Here's how Paul ends it. He says, now you are part of the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I love that. Every one of you plays a part, has a part in this body. Every single one of you. There is no way on earth that this church or our other church could ever function on a Sunday morning without volunteers. Impossible. There would be no youth ministry. There would be no children's ministry. The church would be dirty. The grass would be two feet high and it'd be a mess. It's impossible. And it truly blows me away every week when I see people give of their time and their talent. Our volunteers aren't paid. We give them breakfast sandwiches and treats and goodies and we do what we can. But the cool thing, I don't think our volunteers would need anything. It's the love of God that prompts them. It's the vision of the kingdom that prompts them. I love that. That's incredible to me. I'm gonna end with this. Two questions. Every person, every person has a gift to use in the body of Christ. Are you using your gift? Are you using the gift God has given you? Second question, every person has a place in the fit of the body of Christ. Are you in that place? Are you where God wants you in the body of Christ? I know you're in a great chair, but there's more than that. There's so much more than that. Are you there? I'm gonna end with a story and then I'm gonna ask my wife to come front and encourage you with what's next. I remember reading, and, and I copied this out of a, something I read in, a, in an article. I remember reading of Leonardo Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein. Anybody ever hear of him? I heard he was really good at music. I remember reading of Leonard Bernstein, the late legendary conductor of the New York Philharmonic, giving an insightful answer in an informal interview. Following a televised performance, one admirer asked Mr. Bernstein, what is the most difficult instrument to play in the whole Philharmonic? What is the most difficult instrument? With a quit wit, quick wit, and without even a thought, Mr. Bernstein replied, second fiddle. He said, I can get plenty of first violinists but to find one who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm, now that's a problem. And he said, and yet, if no one plays second violin, we have no harmony. No harmony. And I thought, that's the church. If we don't have people willing to serve and volunteer, there's no harmony. There's stress, there's anxiety, there's, there's all kinds of issues. But if we use our gifts and we find our place and everyone lends a hand, I'll tell you what, the church is, will be exactly what Jesus meant it to be. 
a beautiful, safe place that people can come to experience Jesus, walk with Jesus, and grow in Jesus, and love and support one another. Amen? He went on to say, in simplest terms, this is what the reporter wrote, Jesus told us to serve and give. Don't get mad at me. It's true. It's all throughout the Gospels. Jesus tells us to serve and to give. His life, Jesus' life, builds a case for unselfish living. That's what Jesus did. He gave everything. When he died and was crucified, that was giving everything. But for three and a half years, the Bible says, he didn't even have a place to call home or to lay his head. He traveled for three and a half years of his ministry. Healing, loving, setting people free, serving unselfishly. What did he give? He gave everything, everything. So my question is, are you willing to do the same? I'm not trying to, to be heavy in any respect. I'm not, I don't want you to hear this as any kind of shame or guilt or I can't stand that stuff. It's not what it is. But I am asking the hard questions. I try to tried to paint the picture of what the what the healthy body of Christ should look like. I want you to be encouraged and challenged through the Holy Spirit of what do I need to do next? What what does God want me to do? What is next for my life? How can I help? How can I be a greater part of the body of Christ? So Marlene will explain that, that we have 16 to 20 volunteering opportunities out there. Each one of them set at a table. When you sign a name, that doesn't mean, oh my goodness, I just signed a three-year contract, I'm bound. It's not what it is. You're simply taking the first step in, I'm curious. What is there? How can I help? It's not a commitment, it's simply the next step in being part of the body of Christ. But I want you to do it because the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do it. If your spouse or neighbor gives you an elbow, that's between you and them. But I don't want you to do it because you sit here in guilt. Like, oh, don't, please. If that's how you feel, then, then my message wasn't correct or I portrayed it incorrectly. I'm trying to be an encouragement to you and to this church. Does it make sense? God, I just pray for every person in this room this morning, God. I pray that we can simply open our hearts and lift our hands to what is next, God. We thank you as a uh, born-again follower of Jesus Christ for what you did in our lives, God. So I just pray that we can open, be open to what you have for us next. Help us to be obedient and true to what uh, is next for us. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. amen.